0: to come together, you know, when when I think about the people in Ukraine, the brothers and sisters that, you know, they were just going about their life every single day, and, you know, they didn't expect that all of a sudden having to run from their homes, they didn't know that they would have to flee from their jobs or don't know where to get the next meal, you know, and here in this country... You know, God has blessed us in many ways. But I like what he said, you know, share. Share. You know, if if there's anything that we can do for people and and say that we love is to show it by action. So how many of you has been blessed by this serious parables? And last week's parable about forgiveness. Forgiveness sets you free. You know, and that is a beautiful thing. But today, today we are going to be looking at, if you have your Bibles, at Luke chapter 18, 1 through 14. 1 through 14. And in this, and in this uh, and in in this part of the parables, we're going to be looking at two stories, two great examples. And we're gonna be looking at, at, at uh, three types of people. We're gonna, uh, the topic, though, is about prayer, prayer. And we're gonna be looking at a widow, a Pharisee, and a tax collector. By the end, you might have to question yourself, Which one are you? (laughs) Or, you know, who would you like to be like in your life and in your prayer? So we know that in our present day, with much busyness, we we are so busy, full of activities. Our minds are constantly racing, right? Um, We want everything fast and now, like an Amazon order. You know, click, or placed. It'll be there in a couple days, right? That's how we want prayers to be answered sometimes. And the truth is, is that we treat prayer the same way. We, um, we want everything right now. And then when things that we pray for don't happen right away, we stop asking God. We stop asking him to help us. We think to ourselves that God is either working too slow or not listening. But today, Jesus invites us to listen to what he has to say. So I'm going to be reading from the NLT that I have here. But this is what what he says in in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show that they should always pray and never give up. The key here is, should always pray and never give up. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 1-9 because uh, uh, Paul was um, someone who always stressed in praying and the power of prayer, which is, something that in our day and culture we we um we can forget to do we can forget to do and we want things to change we want things to go better But we try to do things our way and we don't even come to god so in romans chapter one verse nine says god whom i serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness of how constantly i remember you that is that you and i may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith and the thing is that paul in in, in my version says i continually can i continually pray for you and your needs all day and night you know and i believe that that's something that we need to do not only for your needs, but for the needs of others. Constantly remember your brothers and sisters, you know. And, and you know, the sad thing is that a lot of us, a lot of us, we might be around each other five, 10 years, 15 years, 10, 10 20 years, but we don't even know each other. That's a sad thing, you know. And with things opening up right now, you know. We have to stress that word fellowship. Fellowship is just hanging out with each other, getting to know each other better. You know, it's not about always being a Bible thumper or or having all the answers for somebody. Just hang out and you know, uh, I'll get to know each other's character defects and flaws without being judgmental. <laughs> so, Romans 1.12 says. 112, oh, here we go. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And so when we pray, there is, there is something so important. This is about something happening with both of us. You know, and um, so Philippians 6, 8, Ephesians six, eighteen tells us, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with what all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people i know that each and every one of us here has needs i know that we have we have difficulties or infirmities or You know, just things happening in life in general. And this is teaching us how powerful prayer is. But prayer is so neglected at times. Um, In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul continues to teach. Look at how short this is. Pray continually. You know that that's possible? You don't have to wait to the end of the day or early in the morning when you do start your day. You You can be working, going about your business, and still talking to the Lord all day long. Why? Because he never leaves us. He's always with us and inside of us. He's never far from us. We go far from him. And how do we do that? We don't pay attention. We don't talk to him. And this is what Paul says. He says, pray continually. And you're going to see how th- all this ties up to this parable. Second Thessalonians tells us. Second Thessalonians tells us. Where is it up? <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm going to have to go here because. I don't mind flipping through the, through the word. You know, it gets me better at finding the books anyways. All right. Second Thessalonian. I think what happened was, I forgot the verse. And it's, you know what? I got to go to my notes because I did uh, fill it up with coffee. So don't mind my coffee pages here. Okay, because I'm talking about a whole cup. I even got mad at the devil and blamed him for it. And God said, it wasn't him. You put the cup there. You know? So I was mad. And God said, why are you getting mad? That was you. That was your neglect. Okay. Second Thessalonians says, 1-11. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live worthy of his calling. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good. All the good your faith prompts you to do. Do you know that? Faith prompts you. It moves you. It makes you want to do stuff because you trust that God will help you get there. And so let us look at let us look at, at, at what this is saying here. Sorry, I'm all over the place with these papers. How many of us have been told that praying for something just one time is enough? Just pray for it. Claim it in the name of Jesus and you're going to have it. Right? You just claim it because God has to do it kind of attitude is that right and you know we've seen it i've seen it on uh on some preachings. not not putting down anybody else maybe that's their way but i know that i cannot demand my way with god there is a way to come to god and that is so important so what jesus in this parable will teach us that is just the opposite That is just the opposite of what we've been told or believed. The truth is that we should be in the attitude of prayer at all times and all day long. We should keep praying until we get the answer from God or until God tells you, shh, hush, which is something that we probably won't hear from God, right? Shh, I don't want to hear you, right? So until he says that, keep asking. Don't stop. So let's look at this, uh, at the lady, at this lady's story. All right. Right here. Luke, um, Luke chapter 1, I mean chapter 18, verse 1 tells us. "There There was a widow. There was a judge in a certain city. Jesus said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. This parable in Luke chapter 18, this Jesus says, this judge neither feared God nor cared about people. Noted that this human judge whom Jesus calls unrighteous neither fears God or cares. This judge man was wicked, like the manager in six eighteen. You guys remember the manager? This judge is the total opposite of who our Father God is. So we see here, we see here a human, a human being who has been given authority, right? And a lot of times. Us Christians, we want to get our answers when we don't get them from God, from just anybody. And the truth is that when we just go to anybody, right, looking for our answers, they give us their opinions. They've probably never been through what you've been through. Or they don't even relate to your situation. And they tell you, well, this is what you should do. Oh, my wife is a headache. My husband, man, he's, well, you know what? Maybe you should just leave him. You know, that's what you're going to get from the world. because They don't care. They don't care. We have to be careful and understand that the real judge, our real uh, judge, is God himself. And God would never send us on a, on a wrong path. So this is what he says. Luke 18.3. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly. She came to him repeatedly, nonstop, saying, Give me justice <coughs> in my dispute with my enemy. Give me justice. Now, to say repeatedly is nonstop. This, I don't know about you guys, but I know as human beings, you know, when. Things are repetitive, 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 right? We easily get bothered, frustrated, ooh, you know. And we start making all these faces And But look at this. This widow persistently, nonstop, came to this judge, pleading that he would give her justice against her wrongdoer. But this judge ignored her. But I can imagine her in front of his office all day yelling, give me justice. Or when he was leaving work, she's outside standing, give me justice. Or in front of his house, give me justice. Or what else? Or at the supermarket when he's shopping, give me justice. Everywhere this lady appears. And then what about when he's coming in his carriage and his horse, she's laying on the ground in front of the horse the horse. They have to stop. And she's just laying there. You know, who's there? Give me justice already. She would embarrass him and she would cause a scene. Jesus is going somewhere with this church. Somewhere, somehow, we need to have, we need to get back or have the attitude of this lady when it comes to prayers. Our heavenly Father is always there and wants to answer. He doesn't get tired of us like humans do. So her persistence and us being persistent will get our answers. Um, we'll get our our prayers answers. It doesn't make God angry if you have a million requests. What does ha- God have to say? It's either yes, later, or not at all, right? Either way, it's going to be his answer, right? But he always wants the best, and he doesn't get tired. Think about it like this God loves when we come to him in prayer. Why? Because you spend time with him. It is a relationship builder, it is so important. You know, and and a lot of times we get so busy that that we can easily forget, like, the song, what was done for us, you know, and we, we should have hearts of gratitude, filled up loving and, and love for God, like, wow, you know, I might not be where I think I should be, but surely I'm not where I used to be, right, and um, that is so important, and prayer it's like, it's like you watching your children, right? They're playing around. They're playing around, and you just watch them and enjoy them like, wow, man. You know, and then they come to you running. Uh, I want a popsicle. I want some of that kind of candy, right? And just to see the joy on their face, you're like, come on. Oh, you know, you catch yourself, or you might just be like the unjust manager, Get away from me. I'm not buying that. We don't have no money, right? So um, we, we wouldn't do that. And that's, God sees us. We're his kids. We're king's kids. We're royalty. We mean so much to him. Think about it, that he gave his life for us. And so, and so, in uh, verse 14, I mean, in verse 4, Luke 8, 4, it says, the judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I am going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. In, eight, in verse 18:5, in verse eighteen five again, we see that something is beginning to stir in this judge, and it's not compassion or love, but frustration. He is tired of this woman. Seeing her, hearing her, he can't stand her anymore because he didn't care about her or her situation in the first place. Like the proverb that says, A complaining wife is like a constant drip that eventually destroys. This is not aiming at anyone, okay? But if you are a nag, man or woman, (laughs) be careful not to destroy your own relationships. Uh Uh-huh. You know who you are. But this widow was so adamant. Adam means like a rock, a flint rock. You know, one of those rocks that you just, no matter how hard you hit, it doesn't break? That's how she was. Her attitude was adamant. That she was like the person that we say in Spanish, you know, like that that phrase we use in Spanish, me sale hasta la sopa, you know? (laughs) Or in English, I see this person even in my soup. Meaning, I can't stop thinking about this person because I am being mentally tortured. Um, and with her, it, he was being physically tortured, too. This man was ready. It was like she was giving him a black eye every time she put him out there. you know. And he was supposed to be a man of reputation, right? He, was, he had a, a position that was to do what is right for the people. But, man, this lady here, she wasn't going to stop. So what does that mean? He couldn't stand her. How many of us sometimes say to people, (laughs) or we could even say to our (laughs) own partners, I can't stand you right now. You know, Nancy says that to me once in a while. I can't stand you right now, you know. And it's not that she can't stand me (coughs) as a person. It's just, it might be something dumb that I did. But she uses that phrase a lot. (laughs) But, um... So this is how he's feeling. He but he's feeling like he can't tolerate her. He doesn't want to see her. You know, he he just he just doesn't want to deal with this this lady no more. She is a torture. So her persistence was more that he could bear. And I want you to think about that. You know, because like I said, a lot of times we think that That God gets tired of us. You know, and the truth is that God is not a man that he should lie. God is patient. He is merciful. He is kind. He is loving. He's compassionate to all of us. He knows how messed up we are. How many people here know they're messed up? Right? I'm messed up. I need a savior, I need help every single day so this is the point church of this parable with the with the lady god is just always god is just and always does right he is filled with compassion for believers who suffer and he will certainly respond to his beloved ones who cry for help jesus was telling his disciples and us today that persistence in prayer pays off with our Heavenly Father. Persistence, guys. Let me tell you, just because you don't get it at that moment doesn't mean God doesn't have it reserved for you. You know, there is a time for everything. And the thing is that with our culture today, with everything fast, 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 now, 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 that's how we want God to respond. And we, you know, and you know what I've learned so far? at least up to this, up to this um, day in my Christianity, that he's never late. He's always on time. And when he, he, and when he answers prayers, they work out without you having to go back to him saying, why? Or why did you, uh, you know, grant it to me if you already knew that it was going to mess me up? Because sometimes you know, we, a- we ask in the wrong way. You know, and so Jesus wants us to understand that if you feel that what you've been praying, that God, if you feel like right now, think about what have you been praying for that you feel God hasn't answered? What have you been praying for that you feel God hasn't answered? Have you stopped asking? Have you? Have you stopped asking? Who are the people you are praying for? Do you think that God doesn't hear or see you? Well, today we've been, we've, we're learning here that yes, he sees and he hears and is ready to intervene. The point is, don't quit and be persistent in your prayers. And this is what Jesus had to say in verse uh, in verse eight, The truth is that many... well, before I get to that one, the truth is the truth is that many have lost faith and have either turned from the faith or just gave up. When I read this verse, in verse eight, Jesus says, "When he comes, <laughs> when He comes, he says, "Oh, I got the wrong verse." Oh no! It is the right verse. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You know, Jesus tells us that God will act for us. He will not delay. If you are cr- if you are praying for your children, for a situation, for a problem, for a reconciliation, for a healing for whatever it might be, a need, a want. But especially when somebody is mistreating you, or like what happened to this widow. This enemy took advantage of her somehow, some way. Could have been money. Could have been in her possessions, Could have been physically. And she cried. She cried to this judge to do something. How much more will God not act? Like his word says for his beloved kids, if you constantly like this lady, believe me, she drove a human being crazy because us human beings, we're sh- like short. You know, like we could only put up with so much, right? And then we want to shut it down. But God doesn't shut us down. He doesn't. And he won't shut you down. And the thing is that he's going to answer your prayers. But you got to keep on it. Stay on it. Like I said. Until he tells you, shush, hush, or wait till he answers it. Remember, sometimes God can answer it like this, quick, or he'll make you wait. Because the outcome, when he answers, always turns out better. And you know what happens? You give him the glory. You give it to him. And you won't go to anybody else trying to get the answers from human beings unless that human being can relate to a situation. If I'm married, I cannot go to a single person for them to give me advice about marriage. No, his mentality is on singleness, has no experience. If a person is going through a a, a struggle with alcoholism or, or drugs or whatever it is, I can't go to somebody who never used drugs or drank. They got nothing to give me. The only thing they're gonna say, oh, Jesus can do it all for you. And I believe he can. But God gives us people we can relate to too. And you know, and that's what, we, you know, that's what we do at uh, on Friday nights here. Celebrate recovery is people hear recovery and they're like, oh my God. It's drugs, it's alcohol. The church. The, judge, the church is all alcoholics and drug addicts. No, it has nothing to do with that. Celebrate Recovery is a, a group on Friday nights that, that puts you in a group to fellowship, women with women. So you, women with women and men with men to talk about your hurts, your habits. And God gives you answers When you can share your life with other believers like yourself. It's not about drugs and alcohol and all those struggles. No. The truth is that it's about stinking thinking. Stinking thinking right here. But do I act on all those on those thoughts? I don't have to today. Because Jesus sets us free. But it all comes with prayer and fellowship. And this is and this lady. You know, she got her, she got her, her request answered. So that was, that was persistent prayer. Now we're gonna look at the attitude of prayer. Now this one might hit some poke people some in some places. But remember, this is Jesus talking. I'm just relating the same thing he said to you. All right, here we go. Jesus told another parable. This is uh eighteen nine. Jesus told another parable. Um, Two, <laughs> it says, some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Jesus told this parable about about some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. This is a dangerous place to be. If this is you who comes to church to judge, to think that you're better, that because you've been here longer, because you read the Bible more, or you pray more, to compare yourself to any other brother and sister, no matter at what. What growth level they're at. Dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. And this is what Jesus has to say. In Romans 10, verse 3, we read, since they do not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Philippians 1.9 says, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Human self-righteousness even from the fastidious Pharisees who bragged about themselves and, uh, you know, I pray ten times a day, you know, whatever it was. Human self-righteousness. You know, it's funny because when I think about it, uh, when I was in Cook County Jail, yes, I've been to Cook County Jail. I was a resident there. I was a visitor. Um, I remember I had a cellmate, right? He was a Muslim, and I remember he used to tell me, "You know, I used to see him put a towel on the floor." And I remember, I'm—I I believe in Christianity. I believe in Jesus my whole time, the whole time, you know. So. You know, so i I look I look at him, you know, he gets on the floor like every every six hours or something and wake up in the middle of the night, throw his towel on the floor. And um and I remember him saying to me, Oh, I pray to the East every three hours. And I, I and I said to him, So you did you come to jail to be a Muslim? And he paused for a second and I said, You know, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I'm here too. That means that whether you're doing that and bragging about what you do or I'm sitting here, we both committed crimes, you know, and we're sitting here together, right? And the thing was that he wanted to show me that his praying those times a day was more acceptable to God than just simple faith of believing in Jesus. He wanted to show me his righteousness by the, the things that he was doing. And then he talked about some other stuff. Well, right here, let me, let me, let me, let me read this to you. Even the, the fastidious Pharisees fell short of the divine standard of what is required, and that's why we need Jesus so bad, because Jesus is our righteousness. We don't have righteousness the last time I looked at myself, um, I said, Lord, you know, I read your word, I pray, but I still have, my mind still runs its own, his own course. Even in, in my dreams, I can be in, on the other side of the world, you know, but yet I've never been there. And the thing is that we need the mind of Christ. We need that righteousness. So right here. Scripture teaches us continually that us sinners are justified when God's perfect righteousness is imputed to our account. Jesus spoke in parables so that the world would not accept him through human knowledge or wisdom, that is, with our minds, but in our spirits. We must understand and believe with our spirits. Now, you might say, what is that? Well, like, I, I try to put it as simple as I can. Well, so think about this. If you would have been that smart, right, you could have saved yourself by what you read, by what you think you practice, right? So that gives you a, that little ego inside, oh, yeah, you know what, I do this and I do that. But when you come to the reality of how you believe in Jesus, it's totally different. You realize that it has nothing to do with what you do. It has nothing to do with what you do, but who he is inside you. And when you can simply believe, like us, we've never seen Jesus, right, physically, but somehow, way, we believe that he is as real as we talk about him, as though he was sitting here right now. That is to believe with your spirit. You look forward to seeing him one day face to face, but for just, just for now, your faith is in him, and you trust him, and you love him. That is, man. That is beautiful. Luke 18.10 says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and another a tax collector. You remember that the tax collectors were hated. And the Pharisee was one who was strict in keeping the law. Both of them, notice here, went to the temple to pray, the self-righteous and the, the one that knows he needs Jesus, right? So he says, how many of us come to the house of the Lord feeling despised, rejected by our families and loved ones, co-workers, neighbors, or even brothers and sisters How many of us come to the house of the Lord feeling proud and arrogant, comparing ourselves to the testimonies that others share with us, saying to yourselves, thank God I never did the things that brother or sister did. It's a dangerous place, like I told you. You know, self-righteousness I know is so destructive. You know, as we mature in, in our faith, right, <coughs> like I said, everybody is in a different, a different level or a different place in your, in, your, in your walk. But never forget that we are all students. We are all students. We never stop being students. The minute we, we think we know everything, we shut down. We shut down not because now we have become too smart even for the spirit of God to speak to us. We think we know better, right? So um, we feel, okay, by now, you know, um, people should be listening to me because I know more. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Or that person doesn't do the things the way I do them. Wrong, wrong. That person is going to do the things the way that person is being led by the spirit to do it. Not the way others want them to do it. So, you know, we look at this. <coughs> we also look at the, at the tax collector. Here's a person, right, who knows that he doesn't have it all together, she doesn't have it all together. Right? But this, this tax collector knows that he or she is in need. To be saved. Because they just can't get nothing right. And then the ones that think they got it right are the ones that are wrong. But wait a minute, but I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray three, four times a day. I spend two, three hours with the Lord. And we brag. We brag. And then people look at your bragging and they're like, oh boy. Man, let me get away from this, brother. Just, hey, man, I gotta go. Right? It's just too much sometimes. Verse 11 says, The Pharisee stood by himself. Now notice the word stood. I want you to remember that word, stood. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, stood by himself, and prayed, God, I. I, me, I, thank you that I, me, am not like other people. Ugh. You know, those people. Ugh. the People out, out there in the street. People, you know, in my family that I messed up. Thank you that I'm not like them. <coughs> you know, I know they need you, but I'm not like them. I don't do what they do. And I'm not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this brother right here, you know, who tricked me, who tricked me, I, me, I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I have, I am in right, perfect standing with you. Notice he is standing, standing, watch this. What is this Pharisee doing? And I want you to think about maybe, maybe this attitude sometimes has been in us. Maybe it has been. Maybe it hasn't. Or maybe it'll come. But look it. Verse 11 shows, shows us this, that the Pharisee, the Pharisee prayed words that were pleasing to himself i i i when you pray do you brag he his conceit shows he's doing this in front of everybody i got it all together there's nothing wrong with me something's wrong with you brother and sister something's wrong with you ain't nothing wrong with me i've been doing everything that i believe the law says to do I believe I'm doing everything the way the Bible says it. He didn't even humble himself before God. What did he do? He stood standing tall. God, look at me. Don't look at him. Don't look at her. He stood tall. He didn't even humble himself but stood while he prayed. He was standing praying, pointing the finger. It appears like he is saying, God, take a look at how great I am. My Christianity, I live by the book. I do it just like you say. There's no repentance or humility at all in his prayers. Did you guys notice that? Right. We can miss a lot of stuff when we, when we read God's word. There is no repentance or humility at all. Here we see a self-centered man who is trying to prove, he is trying to prove how great he is to God and brag about what he does so that he can so that people can see and hear him. Is that sometimes also also? When we come to the church and brag about our accomplishments and how we serve, oh, I do this, I do that. I have more points with God. I have more stars. I have more favor. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, we don't give God the glory. Not from our hearts, that is. You know? Sometimes people compliment us, right? There's nothing wrong with a compliment. You don't have to be like, you know, oh, give God the glory when they tap you on the back. Amen. you know, hey, thank you, sister. Thank you, brother, for those prayers. You know, thank you for, for that word. Thank you for serving, stepping in for me. You know, and you compliment them. And they, they put a hand in front of you. Oh, give God the glory. Why can't you do that in your heart? Why can't you in your heart mean, Lord, glory to you? We don't have to make a show of it. Thank God in your heart. God knows when you're being proud and when you're not. Right? Do we look down on brothers and sisters that are still struggling with sins or addictions or don't serve because you feel they should? Do you look down on brothers and sisters when they don't want to step in? Because you think they should be in there? Or that you think that they've been around long enough and they should be serving? We shouldn't do that. Nobody should ever feel pressure to do something that they're not ready to do. Find someone else. There's more people. If you feel that somebody should be your leader or doing something, don't push them to do it. And you got to ask God first. The Bible says that God makes leaders, not us. God releases the leaders. We don't make them. God empowers them. He equips them, right? Corinthians. God equips you with everything that you need to live a godly life. How about gossip and slander of your brothers and sisters? Thinking that you have the right of superiority and are the God sent person to address and fix an issue in a person that God never told you to go and do oh, you know what, I don't feel that because you're struggling with this or, or you know, you're telling me that this is happening, I don't, f- I feel that you need to do this. Don't feel. Be sure God sent you. Because if not, that brother or sister is going to leave running out of this place. You know, these are, this, I told you, this old, this old poke This will poke at us if we have that religious spirit, that self-righteousness. I got it all together. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm better than you. I know more than you. We have to be careful. Even even being a leader is just being a servant. You know that what Jesus is teaching about, being a, serv- uh, a leader is to become the lowest of the servants. He said that about John the Baptist. Though John the Baptist did a great work, right? He said, but even the least of these is greater than John the Baptist, the one who humbles himself the most. So, leader is not a green light or of authority or superiority, but it is. It is something that God does. But God is what, God has us wherever you're at today. You are where you are because God wants you there. You know, and me, I'm just serving. I just want to say yes to the Lord for all the no's that I said in the past to him. I always said no and ran from him. Today, I'm, I'm uh-uh. Who am I to say No to the one that brought me out of the darkness that I was in. Nobody will ever understand how deep was your darkness or what pit you were in and God brought you out of. And nobody could ever tell you your story except you whom God delivered from that place. And I know where Jesus brought me from. And it was dark. Really dark. So, When people are confronted by prideful brothers and sisters, people fall away. And our Lord and Savior will not have it. He will not have it. And this is the truth. Luke um, 18, 13 says, but, look at this, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but be his And said, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me. Do you think that just because you have given your life to Jesus, you don't sin? This tax collector knows he needs mercy and grace. The tax collector's humility is seen in everything in his posture and behavior. So here's a man who has been made to face the reality of his own sin, of his own sin, and his only response is to humble himself and repent. That is the total opposite of the self-righteous Pharisee. The tax collector said, Be merciful to me, God. He felt no hope and needed God's mercy in his life. This is the point that the law of God aims to bring every sinner to. You're empty without God. You're hopeless without God. You will be lost and burned in hell without God. You need mercy. And this tax collector, I can relate to being the tax collector. And I am still the tax collector because I still need mercy. I still need God's grace. I can, I can kick everything out the door, but in a moment, in an instant, in a frustration, in a disappointment, and I can turn and blame God for it. Where I can say, whoa, God, I know where you brought me from. I know where I'm at. I know where I'm at today. And I still realize that I must be fully dependent on you. So your body language in prayer means a lot. Notice that the Pharisees stood proud. while the tax collector probably threw himself on the ground, face down. And he was on his face, and he wouldn't even dare look up to God in shame because he knew. He knew that he extorted probably people. He probably stole extra money. You know, it's, it was really probably supposed to be $2. He's charging 10 He's getting rich, like Zacchaeus, who said he would be, Give two and three times more than what he took. So tax collectors were really hated. And when religious folks are in the church, they treat people that come through the door with despising them, or when they see other brothers and sisters still struggling, they say they're not Christians. Oh, you're not a Christian. Who are you? Who am I to say to another believer, you're not a child of God? Because I feel or I think that what I do and what I'm doing is perfectly exactly what the Lord requires. The last time I read, the Bible says that we must all be led by the Spirit of God. So if the blind leads the blind... Both will fall into the pit. So if you are blind, leading yourself blind, don't be surprised when you fall. But if you do fall, please get up. Don't go running away from God thinking that God doesn't care about you, that he doesn't love you because you make mistakes, because you still have sin in your life. Listen. Listen. When I look in here, and I look at myself, I see a bunch of broken brothers and sisters saved by the grace of God, understanding that none of us has it all together. Does somebody here have it all together? Ooh, I know I don't. But but look at this. Your posture, your attitude, which is what he's talking about, your attitude before God which is reverence, respect, reverence and respect. And I'm not saying that you have to run in here every week and run to the altar. No. You can kneel by your seat. You can come to the altar. You know, you can be kneeling at home. But your posture, your body is a unit, body, soul, and spirit. And when the spirit of God rules in your life, it causes your flesh to do this before God. It does. It does. It makes you show respect to God. I'm like, oh, uh, you know, sometimes you're tired and you'll pray yourself to sleep. But it is important to practice bending your knees because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So if your 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 knees are sore, start lubricating them. Start Start moving them. Get some get some of that whatever it is back in there to flow. You know. So Luke 18 14 says. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Look how beautiful that is. I tell you, Jesus tells you this. This sinner, you and I, when we humble ourselves and admit that we, are, we don't have it all together. Lord, I messed up. Lord, I, uh, forgive me for that stinking thinking. Forgive me for that bad behavior today. Ah, forgive me for that bad attitude I gave uh, this person today. Ah, you know what? Let me call or try to find them and apologize. Right? Try to make it right. Why? Because we're convicted. So justify. What What do you justify? So this teaches us, right? This teaches us that God can take a sinner, a person who is at the lowest of the lowest, deep in the darkest sin, and when we humble ourselves and we come to him in repentance, believing that he can change us, that he can forgive us, that he can do away with the records of wrongs against him and against others. The Bible says that by faith, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are justified. Justified. What do you mean? You are made right with God. You are made right with God by faith as though you had never did any wrong in your, in your life. That is the craziest thing sometimes to think about. But Lord, I'm still a hot mess. But the righteousness, of, the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is what God sees. See, God sees Christ in us. We are called to be like Christ every day, right? And you say, man, I, I, I don't have the Jesus complex. I don't raise the dead. I don't heal the sick, right? That's We start thinking about the physical stuff right away. But it's Christ who lives in us, who lives through us, and who, who pleads with God the Father for us in everything, for everything. And God's way of making us right with himself is not by being religious, by obeying the law, but he makes us right with himself through faith. So don't come in here faking it. Seriously. Don't come in here faking it. Like nothing, everything's okay. It's okay. It's okay for real. It's okay to not have it all together. And it's okay to hang out with a bunch of other, you know, messed up people too. You'll realize that you will draw so much closer to people when you're real. We come in here week to week. We come through those doors. We greet. We hug. We shake hands. And then we run out the door. So fast. And remember what I said in the beginning. In our culture today, everything is fast, 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 fast. That you don't take a moment to pause and to look at your life and say, man, these are my brothers and sisters, and I'm happy when I see them. I feel really good when I see you guys. God knows that I come here because I can't wait to see you guys, believe it or not. But then I say to myself, but I don't even know them. I, I see them. I might talk to you for five minutes minutes except the people that come and hang out with me on bible studies on tuesdays that also is fellowship my question there in bible study is why do you come to bible study julian hit it right in the name and i was waiting for his answer and he said the fellowship man just to hang it out together we don't we don't do bible studies to be a bible thumper to think that we oh we're comparing our knowledge we don't do that we talk don't we talk we talk about life itself real and how does these things apply to us but it is one of the most beautiful experiences that we will ever experience as christian brothers and sisters now i know this pandemic thing is just weaning off and we never know what might happen right but boy let's take advantage and learn to fellowship let's really get to know each other i'm serious it's getting warm hey what you guys doing well I'm going to go to the park and cook something on a grill won't you all come out tired or not (laughs) you know just things like that God really loves us guys and he wants to answer your prayers my prayers our requests our wants but he also wants us to be humble and trust him depend on him and never, never, never come in here looking down on anybody else. Believe me, it frees you. It really does. It frees you when you don't have to compare yourself or have to be who people want you to be. Oh, man, it's beautiful. You know, you might not like, like everything, but shoot, I love you still. <laughs> you know, and I hope the same. So, with all be this being said you know if there's if in any way you relate to the widow or need to be like the widow or you relate to the Pharisee and that's not who you want to be like no more if you feel like the tax collector that you're still struggling with something or You know that you need forgiveness from God. Whether you know the Lord or you've been serving the Lord for a while or you're watching online and don't have a relationship with Christ, I encourage you. I encourage you and I say, be like this tax collector and like this widow. Don't stop praying till you get what God wants to give you as his sons and daughters. When you're in trouble, cry. When you're happy, Cry. Give thanks. And then, always remember to be humble. You know, and like I said, if you relate to any of those personalities and you feel like you need to be like the tax collector today and humble yourselves before the Lord, altars open. I know a lot of people are afraid of the altar. I'm serious. You know, even I prayed in the chair over there. And I was like, man, God, why, do I, why am I afraid to approach the altar sometimes? There's a certain reverence. There's a certain, like, you know, like, oh, you know. But in this altar, you know, you can let go. Let go. Let go. Start again. You know, ask God to fix whatever you. We know we blow, whether it's our prayer life. Um, are easily given up, or just need an encounter with Jesus Christ. You know, like I said, um, altar's open. We'll take it just a couple minutes. If not, you know, we can get, in our, get up on our feet. We can all stand up. And right there where you're at, if you want to, the altar's for the boat. <laughs> right there where you're at. Ask God to search your heart and to reveal to you what he doesn't like. And ask him, please help me, Lord, with this. Help me with my religion, with my religious spirit. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to judge. I don't want to criticize my brothers. I don't want to look down on anybody, not even the people outside. Do I want to compare myself with them? because I am forgetting that it's for them, for the sick that you came. Lord, let us remember. Let us remember those that are hurting today, those that are being run out of their country, those that have no food to eat, those that have no home today. Lord, we pray for those that are struggling with finances, we pray for hurting marriages we pray for broken relationships we pray for our own families that are broken and we ask you to extend your hands toward them right now Lord. let your presence be felt by them, let them feel your love Let let them know that you think about them every single waking moment and throughout the whole day for you do not desire that any man should perish but that all should come to repentance even us Lord even us bring us to the repentance that we need to be at so that we may receive Lord God the forgiveness and the mercy that you so freely want to give to us like you did with the tax collector justify us justify us in Christ Jesus for we believe in you and we know that you are able Lord Be with our brothers and sisters who are recovering. Pastor Lewis, Brother Julian, and many, many others. Stretch out your hands to those couples and marriages that are struggling right now. Bring unity. Let your spirit dwell there again. Bring unity and love. Your love. Your peace which surpasses all understanding. And Father, reach... And stretch out your hands to those that right now have listened to this message and need you, Lord, to answer their prayers, to save them. Lord, save. For that is what your name means. Jesus saves. The Lord saves. Jehovah. The Lord saves. That's the meaning of the name Jehovah. So, Father, in Jesus' name we pray as we head out. Throughout the rest of this day and the rest of the week, we ask for you to guide us, to protect us, and that this word will stay in the hearts of your sons and daughters and that we will begin to pray without ceasing and that all day long we would have a heart of gratitude and a, and a heart of praising and giving you the glory because it is you and because of you and by you that we stand here today. And our families are where they are because You love us, and we pray for them, and you hear our prayers. So, Lord, thank you for seeing us, for hearing us, and for wanting the best for us, and for always doing what is best for us anyways. So, Lord, protect us from the evil one and all his tricksters. Be with all your sons and daughters on the face of the earth. Be with the poor, the needy, the orphan, and the widow, and the sick and suffering all over the world. Abba, Father, we love you. Master Jesus we love you wonderful counselor Holy Spirit mm-hmm. we love you and we pray these things in Jesus name and the church of God says amen, amen. amen. right Praise God mm. I think I missed some- <laughs>